We're getting some weird friends with us. You grew it out, huh? But you look different. What? I have to shave every day. If I don't shave every day, I'm, I'm going to have a beard by the next day. So I have to um, shave. And I, um, my barber is like a um, he crazy. He doesn't like he normally don't like all the routines that they're saying barbers have to do now. He's been doing all that. Like he has like a sterilizer and he puts a different cape on each person and he wears like the black vinyl gloves on. Like he does all that already. So okay. this shit right here, he's not opening up. I don't know what he's doing. Um, I suggested an OnlyFans page for him, but I don't know if he took my advice, but I know he's not cutting mm-hmm. hair, so I don't trust anybody else at this point. I don't know how long this will get. It's actually longer than it looks, but trying to keep it up. As far as I'm going, bro, it won't go no further than that. I tried. I had already, I had only, I was already, it was already a beard before this started, and I should have gotten um, him to shave hello. it all off, but I only thought it was going to be two weeks. Okay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Are we ready? You're not brand new. You said what? You're not brand new. I didn't see it. You got to, like, blow a whistle or something. Uh, welcome to the Artist Exchange Radio Show here live only on BeExposedRadio.com. It's me, your host, Nate. I'm here live uh, from my boudoir of sorts. Uh, we're still quarantining. I don't trust it. Uh, Be Exposed is going to play it safe uh, and be responsible uh, and not, you know, open our doors uh, just because... It's time, uh, or they say it's time, but shout out to um, our mayor here in Baltimore who say, I don't give a fuck what the governor say. I'm going to keep these doors closed. Uh, thank you for being responsible for the rest of us in the city and not just, you know, because the governor feel like they don't want to spend no more money. Uh, but today we'll have a special conversation. I have to say Monday show, I didn't like it. I didn't like Friday show of last week. And um, I have made a decision. I don't care what you're selling. I don't care how many followers you have. If I don't like your energy, I'm not going to welcome you into my platform uh, because it can do more harm than any good that could come from it. Um, and I learned that valuable lesson. And not, I'm not judging people. I'm just saying, if I don't feel like you're ready for this uh, this type of platform, I, I can't do it. Like you have, to, you have to, it has to be a shared experience and not just a bunch of me giving and it's no and it's not even about support or sharing it out but i didn't have the best experience and i took myself outside of what my character is no no get me wrong i can turn up and i can go off with the best of them but that's not my nature to go to that and to spend an hour and a half going off that's not i don't think i've ever done that maybe once or twice but it was more so exchange conversation but with us today, we got Mr. Damon Hollywood joining us today. He's been out and about with the protesters and uh, just getting a different perspective than with some of some of us who have been home watching a lot of it. Um, I put myself up to that. I, I didn't feel like um, it was. Can safe I interject real quick? Oh yeah, I'm listening. Uh, you just gave me this soul food place to um, go purchase from. 
Apparently, they have been closed and removed from Dash. Wow. Just that fast. It's, I was trying to put that order in, and it just was like, uh, no. So you just go bashing them. They may be closed. I'm not, no, I'm not bashing them. I'm just trying to say, I'm just putting it out there just in case it may be an error or racially. And... But some of them, some of them closed or like they can switch it on and off. It's not like until they close. Okay. Some of them can turn them on and off. Do they close they early? That's that's what I really wanted to know. Maybe they yeah, just close early. Yeah, they may early. have closed early. Okay. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> but um, we got Mr. Hollywood with us, and I, I asked him to join us because I wanted just a, another perspective. I've I've talked to quite a few people who have been in different uh, spaces. I've been helping out with uh, a couple organizations that I work with, supplying like maybe water and stuff like that, finding ways and we've been donating to kind of help in our own way. Hmm. Um, and doing research on some of the happenings that's been going on. Uh, and some of the people who have already been arrested and going through that process, um, it's, a, it's a, a stressful process to have to help somebody get out of jail because there's a lot of waiting that goes on at central booking. So um, if you've never done it, um, if you don't have patience, it's not for you. Let somebody else do it. So that's, that's been my way of helping, but um, others have been out there uh, Hollywood been, uh, DeMond's been taking photos and videos and kind of capturing the moment, and we've been kind of using some of your material. Sorry about that. No, you're good, you're good, you're good. <laughs> Sharing it out and such, you know, just getting, just making, you know, advertising your skill set, sir. Hey, you're fine. Uh, you. But I, I noticed a lot of people trying their own way of, of doing it, and I just hope that everybody is, is remembering that despite this being a man-made obstacle, this coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, um, in my opinion, that's my opinion, not big poses, but my opinion alone, I feel like it was a science experiment going awry. Uh, and uh, despite that, it's still real. It's still killing people. It's still harming people. And because you don't hear about the numbers, don't mean that it's not people spiking. There are a number of nursing homes and facilities that are getting in trouble because they're not properly reporting the information. And giving out the numbers because people don't want to lose business, people don't want to be sued, so on and so forth. So they're just uh, considering it a death. Uh, so we have to really be careful and be mindful that this is still real. There's there has been no vaccine or cure uh, put out there. Um, there are some options, but I don't think people are really pursuing them uh, as legitimate sources. But I just want everybody to stay safe. But I call. Uh, called up uh, demand because I wanted just a, a understanding of what it felt like. Um, what does it feel like to be in the midst of it? There have been uh, uh, protests all over the country, all over the world, actually. Um, right. And, uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and some of the ramifications like Miss Owens getting on, on the news, bashing uh, George Floyd for being uh, what she calls a martyr. Uh, which is the wrong word to be using in this moment, but um, a, a number of issues surrounding this, and there's some black male issues that I thought Demond would have a, you know, opinion about. How um, you been doing, sir? I've been doing good, man. Staying positive, staying, you know, just staying focused for real. You know, trying to do um the right things. You know, help people out much as possible. Mm hmm. Um. You talk about the protest. Um, actually, when I first did the protest, um, it was on a Saturday, and right. that night was pretty. 
it was pretty crazy because um, it seemed like like the police force, like they they gonna do what they're gonna do. You know, they're taking their orders and whatnot. But I feel as though that sometimes it seemed like the system they don't care because I'm like, if we're doing a peaceful protest or something like that, um, if we're doing a peace, peaceful protest, why are you bringing out canines? You know what I'm saying? Because if you let that dog go, it's gonna attack us off the jump. You know what I'm saying? Right. Why are you shooting? Why are you shooting stuff at us? You know what I'm saying? If we sitting here and you see us without hands up, I was front line, hands up. You know what I'm saying? And they sitting there holding whatever they was holding to shoot us with. You know, I got hit with some stuff and we got missed a little bit. But you know, you got the little idiots in the back that's always going to be trying to do something dumb, throwing stuff. But besides right. that, it was like it was a peaceful protest. As far as like the following day, which was I mean, my fault. The day before, what did the day before? Um, we had a peaceful protest that morning. We walked the streets. And everything like that, everything was good. No news was there. No, they wasn't recording nothing. But as soon as something go bad, they want to show up and start recording. So, like, um, one of the issues was I saw on the news was that he was saying uh, somebody beat up the newscast. And I was there when that, um, when they so-called said that happened, which it really, they didn't beat up the newscast. He just showed up. He just, he wanted to start record, recording all the chaos that was going on. And and the people was like, no, we don't want that. You know what I'm saying? Why are you here recording? She wasn't here recording none of the good stuff. So why are you here now? Go ahead. We were put, and so they, what they did was they was pushing them away because right. we can do our own recording. We can do our own broadcast and let you know how good we're doing. We don't need y'all to come here. Oh, just, y'all just want to show somebody just uh, broke the windows out this van. Those people that's doing stuff like that, they probably not even from Baltimore. They probably hired to do stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of makes it bad for the pro- people that's protesting in a good way. You know what I'm saying? It makes it look it makes us look bad because they keep doing the dumb stuff. And you have to pretty much weed out which ones are doing that. You know what I'm saying? Was it was it a was it apparent that there were a group of people that were causing like a little trouble versus the people who were peacefully protesting? Was there a, a difference or did it just seem like everything was mixed in? It was like it was he wasn't a group, it was like certain ones. It wasn't even like technically a group. You'll mm-hmm. see somebody from a far distance over there throw something. And then you'll see somebody from over there probably throw something at the police, like water bottles. And we telling mm-hmm. them, like, chill, no, no, don't do this. Because y'all doing this. We the first ones that's going to get hit. Not y'all. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Were they, because on, on the news, they, they started showing, or on other people's feeds, I start seeing images of non-Black people, uh, younger white boys and some girls, Busting windows, but none of them were black, and none of them looked like they were a part of the protest. It was just on the outskirts of the protest. Is that what it looked like, even here, or yeah, even was here, that- it was just like now after the protest, you'll have their own certain group that'll go off and do stuff, and right. they just do their thing. But the crazy thing about it, the businesses in on it, they leaving bricks in front of their windows so they can do vandalize their properties and whatnot, stuff like that. Like we walked past a couple of properties, they just had bricks just laid out, just waiting for somebody to pick them up and throw them inside the window. So I mean, when they, you say this bricks, was it did it look like construction or no? Just, they was like they like they was perfectly placed for somebody to pick them up and throw them through the window. Wow! And so like that's what's crazy. So they trying to make it seem like oh yeah, they out here doing this. No, they all in on it. They all. In I, on I it. mean, for us looking from like our social media platforms or the news, it it was very apparent in many cases. And I'm glad that there is this dual media uh, being shot because 
the normal media, the ones, the conglomerates are showing you the destruction and the chaos, but a lot of people with their personal uh, outlets are being able to show you like yours are showing us like the gentleman who claimed that uh, that with the bow and arrow, like right. his his lie was quickly debunked because we saw the people who did attack him and we saw what he did to provoke them to attack him. Uh, so the, the lie was that it was a couple black guys that did it and it was click, uh, quickly debunked. And then we saw a lot of videos from other cities like Philly and some in, I think it was, um, was it California where there was people like breaking down in New York actually, where people were busting open windows, but it was a bunch of what we would perceive as skateboard kids that weren't, didn't look like they were a part of the protest. Right, and the crazy thing about it is it's not just the kids that was doing it. It was right. police officers that was going past busting windows. I didn't say it was going on in Baltimore, but from looking at the um the footages and the um the news and everything, and some of the um people that things were sending me privately, it was actually police that was going on busting windows. Like just recently I just saw where I think it was in New York where they, they busting somebody's uh 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 an official, a top official's office, and they was just sitting there, just taking naps, drinking their coffee, doing all types of stuff. Well, this is just vandalism. Like it's hard to know what to really believe and what not to believe because social media and media, because now the the professional media companies are getting their clips and their sound bites from those clips uh, and running those or chopping and screwing those. But it's really hard really for me to know what to really believe. I understand what's going on because I know what's being reported in terms of organizations bringing it out and and organizing these rallies. But I one thing that I do want to say, I don't feel like a lot of those organizations have planned effectively for this, where they're rallying people up and showing them and demonstrating how we're going to have this peaceful protest. So those individuals look stark differently, stark mm-hmm. different from those people who are just coming out to just create chaos and havoc. Correct. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, go ahead. Ahead. no, I was saying just to um, piggyback. Well, like for us, um, we, when we had our protests, I think it was last Saturday, when we marched on 83 and through downtown. Now, that was actually peaceful. Mm-hmm. That was actually planned out. And I believe it was through five girls through text message. And the word just spread it out like that. Um, were there instructions? Were there, there was instructions. There were instructions. Um, we had the people in the front. They had the loudspeaker. Um, the people that had the white X's on their back was the ones that would guide you. Then you had some people that had different colors on that had the water if you needed stuff like that. There was some people right. were having snacks, and they were saying, like, you know, if you have your mask, make sure you have your mask on. If you start doing this or anything, like, out of the ordinary that can cause problems will just cause us not to look right like we're not in unity you're gonna have to step outside the march because we're not about that we want to make this sure these people make this peaceful as possible because we're talking about george floyd beyond the tail everybody that's just been gone or passed by the um police brutality we we don't want to we don't want to like all right 2000 was it 15 was enough they saw how chaos was so let's show them something different uh, i was i was my fault i was in california when that happened but (laughs) <laughs> but um, but even with Freddie Gray, it was the same thing. And see, your your perception of what happened during Freddie Gray was what people are perceiving now. Correct. There were a, there were a handful of people who were looting and creating con- uh, uh, conflict, but Correct. most of the protesters protests were peaceful because where our station is, a lot of them walk through there 
and mm-hmm. ended up at City Hall. So a lot of them were peaceful. They marched along uh, 83 and got around, came around and uh, ended up down, you know, by State Center. I mean, not State Center, the, the uh, mayor's thing, City Hall. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of that was peaceful. And then there were pockets around the city that got violent, that got, you know, out of control where they started burning down the CVSs and businesses of that nature. So there were still differences in how people were doing it. But again, I don't feel like all of them uh, kind of made the effort to be that, as as you said, as organized, because people they just angry and they're going off of what they're watching. And if you watch it enough, you right. gain a certain level of anger and then you go out there and you want to start busting things up. You see right. a brick on the sidewalk, you will throw it. Right, because they just frustrate, like you said, and they're not really thinking. Uh, I just, I, I really, I wanted to understand what it felt like out there and what, were there different organizers that you would, because it was different days. It has been different days where people have been gone because it was something up here by where I live at, off of Charles Street, where I saw a lot of them started. Mm-hmm. And they started to, to gather people, but were they all that prepared or were some just a notice that they sent out or? Um, Saturday, um, one Saturday when that was definitely prepared. Everything was good. Even um, Just Hilarious was there. She was there to support um, the Black Lives Matter and our movement and everything like that. The one, the first mm-hmm. one on Friday, that was, that was, I was just pretty much getting the ball rolling that right, the very first protest. Because we actually did, we went to businesses, we went to Fells Point, and we all we did, we went to the major establishments that was making the most money, and we was letting them know, like, we can't, we're not going to go for this. You know what I'm saying? Like, look, right. I'll be sitting here, and we be sat there, and we just yelled out every name of each person that was that was pat um that was killed, and we actually did that in front um Central District in front of the police station headquarters. We got the um they got the commissioner to yell out every name that was killed. But we were just going to let them know, like well, our voice is going to be heard, and we can do this. We can come together peacefully, and we can, and we can make an impact. It's a, such a weird time for this to be happening, though, because right. it's on the on the brink of you know kind of mass craze already because we're in the middle of this uh, pandemic. But for this to happen, um, uh, William says you went through the training program during your short stint. Can you recall any events that prove they could all be in on it? Carl, those bricks are spread out all over throughout the country. Wow. I, I don't I don't know. In terms of uh, so you're you're speaking more so on your citizen eye right now, but in terms of like you had some experience with the justice system, can you can you speak to what you think is happening right now? If you feel comfortable talking about it from that perspective, like what do you, we see a lot of stuff going on. There's a bunch of different things. Like uh, Carl just said, uh, those bricks are spread out throughout the country. A lot of people are recording just piles of bricks just popping up out of nowhere. Correct. Uh, I don't know what to say. Um, speaking from that side. Like I don't, I don't want, I don't want any secrets unless you, you know any. But no. just from your, from that eye of, that you have, what do you think is the underlying current of this? Like, what's going on? You know, is the police department getting lax? Are they not carrying it right now? Are they not the same thing that they did right after Freddie Gray? Where you clearly could see they wasn't responding. I don't, to, you know, I don't know Freddie Gray when that happened. I believe that the department wasn't ready 
And I feel as though that they can just offer better training and everything like that and better mm-hmm. or better situations to avoid things that, like that happen with the George Floyd situation. Because right. I've never seen somebody train when he pitching the knee and somebody neck. Maybe in the stock of the back, but not on neck though. Come on, that's just like overboard. And I believe that right. some officers let their badge get to them. You know what I'm saying? They 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 hide behind that shield and they just think they can do whatever they want. I I, I spoke on a, a number of different shows that I was on, and oh, I spoke okay. on what um uh, force continuum. What I learned that the force continuum was, and that was the order of uh, procedures that it takes when you first. In contact, the police are comes in contact with a civilian, and there's trouble. Uh, and it tells you from step one, oh, I think it's like ten steps, uh, based on the the weapons that they have, of what is supposed to be used first, and how deadly force is the very last uh, option that you have. Correct. Uh, is that a part of? Is that the initial training, or is that something that is? Uh, Talk no, that's still that's, that's part of the training to um the um the threat level. So depending on what you use for um for what they for what they're doing, like say such as if a person has a knife, um you technically like 20, 20 feet, anything less than 21 feet, you can actually use lethal force as they say. But but is this supposed to be your first option? No, it's I not think supposed, supposed to start off with but verbal it, warnings. But it also, yeah, you do definitely give verbal warnings. You definitely speak before you you do anything. Hey, stop. Put your hands down. Put your hands up. Hey, you know what I'm saying? I got a taser. I will taser. Hey, stop, stop, stop. You definitely, definitely always keep the communication going on between whoever you're, you're talking to. Um, Yeah. But in the moment of it, I understand, like, I've I've only been in a few, like, physical fights in my life and I know in the moment if you didn't come into that situation with a certain level of calm you're going to panic and you know they say a scared person is the worst person to fight with and that's it it all all depends on the officer in my opinion I believe it depends how how scared is that officer you know what I'm saying and and for for the situations he's in is he so scared that he wants to use his weapon or is he, mm-hmm. is he, does he feel confident enough? Okay, I can pull out my ass right here, or I can tase him, or I can use, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, stuff but like that. you're supposed to judge where you are. Like, you can't just jump to pulling your gun out in every situation that we've seen. No, it's a, it depends on the threat level. Pulling their gun out. I believe it, it depends on the threat level. Like, it depends. Like, me, I wouldn't pull my gun out for, for something stupid, or like, you got a bricky hand. I don't need to pull no gun out for no brick. For what? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Ooh, dug out the way or something. You know what I'm saying? It, and it, I believe that right there, it all depends on the um the person and how they. And I, and I think that's the problem that our civilians are having because you are you are jumping to deadly force Correct. in situations that don't call for it. There's a mm-hmm. meme circulating right now where it shows the gentleman who shot up that church, the, mm-hmm. the young white male that shot up the church. And then there's a random black guy, and the the, gen, the white young man says to him, like, what are you here for? And he tells him what, he was like, I, I had a busted taillight, and he's beat up, and he's shackled, and like from the back, and then the black young man asks the young white man, what are you here for? He said, uh, I shot up a church, and he has this like the basic vest on, 
and he's handcuffed from the front. And it mirrors what actually happened to that young white boy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's un, it's not clear to us as simple civilians. And I only know the force continuum because I did a play and we had to learn it. We were cops in it. We had to learn what the process of breakdown was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really scary to learn those facts because at that moment of me doing that show, it it was clear it, it was right after Freddie Gray when we did that show and it really after Sandra Bland after the two of them and it was really apparent that they are skipping all of this and we had the former uh, police chief out in Pittsburgh from Pittsburgh come in and tell us like it's a part of your initial training but it's mm-hmm. not like our police officers are getting an annual refresher course from their basic training Correct. you know now that now military or marines are coming in and giving them certain levels of training because that's what the the funding is supposed to cut off is Mm -hmm. that because they're not using it effectively if they're all jumping to deadly force but i I guess the understanding i'm looking for now is um what i mean you say it's based on person but if if you have a person that you don't know what the problem is, or you're walking into a situation where it's a simple, you know, car, like a torch, and mm. you're pulling them over for that, and it ends up with them dying. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm, and I tell people, I'm still stuck with, you know, out of all the ones that I've seen, my attention is still stuck on Philando Castile, because mm. we saw from beginning to end what happened. We have, we have the footage from his cam where he's pulling up on him, where he's still outside of the car. We have the girlfriend's footage from the whole ordeal from the time he shot him, walked up to the car to the time he shot him, to the after effects of him, okay. him putting her into the car, uh, her into the backseat. So we see the whole story. And that one incident froze me in time because I don't see how that ended in him dying. I still, I still don't. Even if he was nervous or whatever, he could have told him stop. Correct. Get out of the car. Like he could have did any of those things, and Correct. he shot him right in front of us. And we've seen this way too many times. So me saying George, I'm not saying I'm numb to that, but mm-hmm. that didn't shock me. Right. It's more. It's other things that already that was. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And I, I feel as though that um, officers, officers should be trained better in handling certain situations. And I feel as though if you're really scared and the first thing you want to pull out is a gun, you shouldn't be in a, you shouldn't be a cop in the first place. You know? Is and, that a part of the test though? Is that part of them part. them looking at you and, and and grading you in terms of you being prepared or no, no one is never really prepared because you can go through all the training you want and whatnot, but it's not going to prepare you for the streets or what you're going to go through when you really get out there. But it's the only thing is you just got to remember, like, it, it's, it's, it's pretty much in your training. I believe they can they can train you a lot better in certain situations. Because even when even when um when I was in the academy and they was teaching basic martial arts, but I was looking at some of the stuff. And I'm like, man, this could get somebody killed or it's going to vice versa because you can go try this and it's not going to work. And next to me, that you know, you pulling out your gun because that move didn't work. No, right. I feel as right. though they can have better training and everything like that. Uh, so a gentleman on William says on Facebook says, I'm aware that the taser isn't reliable, 
It depends. Um, it depends. The Taser can is reliable. The X twenty six series is reliable, but it also is that the one that we see them shooting. Correct. And then it the extends like this vault of energy. Okay. Yes, and the Taser it helps to a certain extent, but also it depends on the person and his level of pain, or if he's on PCPs or even some other type of drug where that is non effective to him. It went, mm -hmm. you, it, uh, one call it took us like nine officers just to get one person. And no physical harm was happening. We just really had to grab them. They, they really are strong. So I can understand when someone's high off of uh, some drugs like that. But it's just right. you just have to find a, another way around it besides trying to inca inca ah, I can't get the word incapacitate the person. All right. So, so and that becomes another form of well, I, I think what 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 I'm looking for in terms of an answer is okay so now we understand case by case scenario it really did it really calls for a certain level of force but is it is it procedure to always start from the top of that force level and go no it depends through? you know it honestly it all depends on the threat level to be honest with you but you don't start from the gun and work your way down you work you start from the lowest and work your way up Right, because you, know, you start from the gun. What is there left to do? You don't shot them. Right, left and that's that's what that's my point. Like if this, if they keep starting with the gun, where else can they go? They can't go. Once you pull a gun on somebody, you can't go backwards from that. Correct. Like if you pull a gun and then put that away and pull out a stun gun, like that's not. Like, like and the reason, like if a person pulling out that weapon, obviously is a level of threat that where it's well, some. Like if it was me. It would have to be a really serious threat level for me to pull out my weapon. And at the same right. time, I'm not going to be so close. I'm still going to keep my distance so we both can be safe because I might not have to actually use lethal force for this person. I can actually, all right, you know what? He's coming down. I can pick my weapon back. I can hold right. my weapon. And then I probably can switch to something different because how he how, depends on how he's coming and what he has to, in his hands or anything like that that can be considered a threat to me where I'm fearful for my life. Right. But yeah. in this George... George case, we we see him already in the car, Correct. already handcuffed, Correct. and they pull him out. That's I think that is down. We understand that. I think there's understanding, and every situation is different. So it may require one or two more officers. It may require, you know, uh, a, a level of force that's not necessarily that's gone beyond you just talking to them, right. um, but. When they're already in the car and you pull them back out, and many of us only saw that one perspective. Mm -hmm. So we only saw that one officer. We didn't see the other two. Correct. That was also on top of him. Correct. So I think that's the level back. where, okay, so this this isn't about uh fear anymore. Now you just, I think that would be personal. I think that was a personal vendetta between them two because they work together. And even if you pull someone out the vehicle, even when you actually when you load uh, a prisoner in the vehicle, they're supposed to be properly secured. Personally, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Hands hands in their back, seatbelt over them, so they can't do that much wiggling or anything like that. And right. if it does cause for that, why not just put the handcuffs on um, pot put some um cuffs on their ankles? ankle cuffs and put them in the handcuffs if that if those cuffs are not working put some flex cuffs on them just so he won't be able to do that but you don't have to actually sit there and put your, with your knee when he's like two people can do that he's already cuffed what much can he do you know what but i'm saying it, but it wasn't about him being cuffed 
he was already in the vehicle and right. they pulled him out of it. And we see that in many situations where a situation that does not need to escalate. Correct. And that's that's the word when we're dealing with force continuum and the, the processes that the police officers take to to de-escalate. I don't see any of those that verbiage being used or acted out. Uh, mm -hmm. But in, in terms of them trying to de-escalate, I don't see that at all in any of these situations. It's the police that is then escalating the situation. Correct. He he escalated because once he said, I can't breathe, he know he's not going to be trying to do nothing. Once you get mm -hmm. off of him, all he want to do is <gasps> he just want to breathe. He just want to catch his breath. Come on, you right. already the situation was under control. He wasn't even doing nothing really after that. You didn't have to sit on him that long, you know what I'm saying? All that was just but he did play that's, 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 that's bad policy. That's bad policy. Right. That's the problem that I'm saying. He didn't have to sit on him at all. He Correct. was already in the vehicle. Correct. He was already arrested him and Correct. put him in the vehicle. So when you pulled him back out, I don't I don't understand I don't, what they were trying to yeah, do. I don't understand that either, unless he wasn't properly secured or something. I don't know right. what happened inside. Like only thing I can probably come to mind if if the scenario is okay, he's probably kicking his legs too much. All right, let's get him out, let's reposition him in there or whatnot, mm -hmm. something like that. But besides that, I really didn't see no reason. Only reason you put him in there, make sure he's secured, you transport him safely to get his next destination, and you take him out. It's, it's weird, to me, it's weird, it's scary, it's uncomfortable to imagine where we are in this world where mm -hmm. this keeps happening. I, I decided to do a little research on the Breonna Taylor story, and that was, again, like, the abuse of force, and I've been in a situation where they had the wrong house, or uh, a person, uh, my mother had moved into a new home, and mm -hmm. I had come over to help her after surgery, and I was trying to get the, the children ready for school in the morning, and I remember police officers coming to the door and wanting to get in the house and see if a certain person lived there. And no, I was no, like, well, uh, my mother didn't have this house very long, um, I don't, I don't even know who that person is, and them being really adamant about, well, this person used this address, and I'm saying, well, Come you can see, clearly see that it's still boxes. Come here. back for They can't right. just come up you in know, your house like that. And, it, and even for them to come up in your house like that, they gotta have a signed paper by a judge. You know what well, saying? they kept saying they kept. This was I can't remember what state this was in for Breonna Taylor, but they kept saying a, a no, a no, not. A no knock, uh, what they call it, uh, with the piece of paper. I forgot that they were warrant, a no knock warrant. So they didn't have to uh, present themselves. And I was like, and it's a real thing in certain states, they don't have to, uh, they can get that type of privilege to be able to just come in without notice. And that's what happened where the gentleman, the boyfriend in the situation, did not know. He fired his gun. They allegedly he hit the other cop in his leg, one of the cops in his leg, and then they shot 22 rounds into the house, striking Breonna Taylor eight times. And whatever everything that happened after that was very unprofessional on the police department's behalf. But you coming into it, you already were wrong. Right. And and one thing about an officer, once an officer here, another officer shoot, they automatically gonna start shooting. <laughs> Off the jump, probably not even. See, they probably don't even see their target. Like, why would you shoot in somewhere when you can't even see what you're shooting at? 
Let's go. says, so it's fair to believe that officers are not properly trained when it comes to judging the threat level. Uh, or they're just going off emotions, it, it, feelings. That, that, that all depends. Like, it's all up to you. Where's your threat level? How, how threatened do you feel? You know, that's where it comes in. But see, that should be a gauge. That should be. I mean, it, and it, there it, is. It, it there is, is a, a gauge. But, but they don't follow that. No, because some people are, some officers, no lie, are scared. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So the first thing they want to do, yeah, I'm grabbing this. You know what I'm saying? I believe some, some, some offer great training. Like, now I can say the Baltimore, Baltimore City does have some great training, but I feel as though that they can train more in that area as far as when it comes to a threat level or proper steps to take or what should they do if this happened or this happened. But at the same time, they can tell you all that and teach you all that. But once you get in the real world, it's a different story. You know, they forget yeah. that and they're going to be scared because I've never really been in the situation. I've been in training, but oh my goodness. Right. And that's the part that's scary to me, because as two black men, we're sitting here um, and I think this moment has put a, a, a certain perspective of fear in me that I never had. I'm, I'm not. It takes a lot to make me scared of anything. Mm-hmm. But it, the fear in me is or the hesitation rather in me is being perceived or being judged. There's several clips online where the officer came up, to, one gentleman came up on his porch and, uh, and he was out in the yard and, and thought he was somebody else and didn't look anything like the man. Like, I don't understand where our rights start and mm-hmm. where their privilege starts. I, I don't, the line is so blurred and mm-hmm. you don't understand as a citizen, what are my rights right now? And do my rights cancel out your fear? or your, your perceived authority right. in this how, moment. How I see it sometimes, I feel as though how they look at it, I feel that they look at us like we don't have rights. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, forget your rights. I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyway. Right. And I feel as though that if we want to fight the system, we got to start learning in the system. We have to know the system. We got to start knowing what what can we use against them. What, like, you know what I'm saying? As far as like... But wait, right now, the only thing that we're using against them is a civil trial. Right. Because... Even after Freddie Gray, the attitude that of the police officers walking around, like it was, it was clear that they did not give a fuck. It was very clear, you know. Even when it came to people looking at them or walking too close to them, it was a level of, and that's when out Marilyn Mosby had had uh, pulled out those six officers. So after that happened. Police officers got so lax in the city. Like they would they weren't responding to calls on time. They wasn't when they did respond, it was so blase and so I don't give a damn. Because uh, I feel as though the officers they stopped caring, like all y'all gonna do is snitch and think we doing this anyway. So why would we police police y'all if y'all not really y'all don't want right. us here? You know what right. I'm saying? Ain't everything we do or everything we trying to do, y'all make a complaint about it. So what can we really do to police it now? But that shows you that they're not doing their job. It it shows you that they're not doing their job to begin with. If if they already have that attitude, because if you feel like you have more power over me just by being a police officer, and I can't tell you how many times I've been faced with this. Like I haven't been directly affected by it, but I've been in a situation where standing on Penn North, 
waiting for the shuttle to come. And I, I literally, a man, maybe like six feet away from me, gets stabbed and beat up and raw, like just that quick. And the officer, and I stayed with the gentleman only for the officers to ask me for my identity. And I was like, I don't think you need that. I, I told you what I just saw. Like, that's mm -hmm. all you need. And him being very dismissive of me and very arrogant and very pompous at that point, because if I'm not willing to tell my story and give them proof of my identity, then I must have had something to do with it. So mm -hmm. the other officers told me, please just walk up because this officer is, is he's, he has it out for you now. So you please leave this, this, this space. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, no, I'm waiting. I'm not going to walk an extra mile to catch a shuttle because this officer can't control himself. And right. I felt like I was standing in my rights in that moment. And luckily other officers kind of pulled him away Correct. because they saw I wasn't moving, but I've been in those situations. I've, you know, I have uncles that are constantly getting into trouble. So I've seen the law system from the courtroom to central booking to Jessup. I've seen it in many different areas. And I, I've grown never to trust the police officers. And I was some, I grew up in the age of officer friendly, where we were supposed to, you know, give reverence and respect and love to police officers. But I grew up in a different world where we didn't trust the police officers. Right. So I don't understand how they're going to get that back. I don't know what type of leadership is going to take to kind of transform how they do things. You know, uh, so they we can feel more comfortable around them. I feel as though that if they if we aren't gain our trust back, that's gonna take a lot. It's gonna take a whole lot. Right. Like if you start somewhere, you know, be more involved with the community. Seem like you care, you know, something will really care. You know what I'm Are saying? Are you talking about the citizens or the police officers? I'm talking about the police officers. Okay, okay. They 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 I believe. A lot of officers, what do you do? You just see them ride past. They don't stop. They don't get up. Interact with people. You know what I'm saying? Right. Let right. them know, like, look, I'm here for you. You know what I'm saying? I'm here to make sure things go right. And you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to make sure your day stay peaceful as well as mine. You know? And but a lot, a lot of them yeah. aren't, a lot of them don't live in the city anymore. A lot of them, and the ones that may, may live in the city, a big majority of them aren't from Baltimore or Maryland. Correct. They brought in a lot of officers with incentives, incentives to be police, Baltimore City police officers, or around the places. That's a big, a big uh, argument from a lot of individuals that their officers aren't from there. I know a lot of people who I know from New York. They say they used to know their officers. Now mm -hmm. these people don't even speak their language, versus you know not even knowing the community that they're policing in. Correct. And they're just moving in and being a part of it. Uh, William also says, what are your thoughts on patrol officers having mental inspections weekly or even daily? So my, my thought on that is, and again, I did a lot of consultation in terms of training for a show that I did. And one of the things that was said to me, officers don't get psych evaluations unless they've been shot at or right. if they've actually killed somebody. That's right. normally the only time that they receive any type of psych evaluation or 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 are offered therapy. But it's not like, hey, let me bring you in right now. Let me see where you are. Let's have a conversation with you randomly. Right. And I think that's a union, that's a union thing where they mm -hmm. aren't allowed to do random checks. They gotta be planned. Or it has to be after 
some catastrophe after they've killed somebody or they've uh, their life has been put into jeopardy. Correct. Is that? Uh, if, I mean, I'm I'm asking a question more so than I'm giving the facts of what I've been told, but the factual actual information is that the only time uh, that they get that type of help. I I don't know. I mean, from my perspective, or from things I've seen, yes, that's how it's seen. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I feel as though, like through the course of a year, like you know, from each like officers, they should pick out a district and like, all right, you know, like you said, let's go through this and see where where you at mentally and see. We um where you stand at because I even still have flashbacks of some of the things I've encountered when I was. You know what I'm saying? I still remember the hostage situations. I still remember walking in the room seeing this guy hanging. I still remember some of the shootings and the murders of seeing people just laid in the ground. You know, that stuff do play a mental part on you, but it's also it depends on it's also where you're at as a person. But sometimes, yes, you can I believe that some people should go see Sykes or at least once a year or something. If being a cop, you should at least go see someone so you can talk to and at least just get some things off your mind. Uh, Benjamin Pressbury says the police are the only gang in the world that is above the law. It is that way because the FOP has pockets deep enough to buy them back on the streets. He also says to get police reform, we have to first get their unions reform. They give rewards to cops who kill. Uh, it's I'm uncomfortable. Uh, William says, what are your thoughts on, uh, oh, he just asked that question. Yeah. But that, I'm, I'm, just like they give random drug tests if you work for Amazon or this company, I think in a situation where every day you're put into high intense situations, there should be uh, routine surprise psych eval tests. And I think what would happen was police officers will be under a certain level of, okay, they're watching us. So I gotta make sure I'm following the rules so I don't get pulled. Like you get an audit every week and this many police officers gotta go in and do a psych eval. And it's not just how you feeling or a real psych evaluation. Like right, they right. would give to a criminal that just murdered somebody or something. <laughs> I think that's something that would help them. But uh, Mr. Pressbury, Shout out to him. He's an elder in this Baltimore community in the theater world here. Um, and his son is the gentleman that wrote the book on um, uh, the father and son relationship. He wrote the children's book. Okay. Um, and I, one of the things that I, I, I'm, I'm wondering is if the union is the problem. Because every in, this, in the case of the six officers here with Freddie Gray, that was a big speaking force, a big part of them not getting uh, uh, charged was their union spoke up for them and, and kind of defended their the process that they, they took, you know, and putting him in the back of that truck and him asking for help and them not giving it to him and him eventually dying by the time they took him out of the truck. So when we want to ask for help, we definitely call a medic off top. You're supposed to. Like, look, I have a person such and such. And you have an officer follow him down to the um to the actual hospital, mm -hmm. and then you 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 do your watch there until he get his. But medical. they but they say that after someone has been killed, Correct. but they always have an excuse for why this time they didn't do that. Right, like if someone yeah. and they not feeling well to the point, are you serious? All right, I'm gonna call the medic for you. They go on there, right. you're gonna sit here and wait for the medic to show up. Just in every job that you have, whenever somebody complains or 
is sick or you always follow the proper procedures to keep yourself in the clear. Correct. But it seems like there's a vendetta against criminals, against citizens versus the police. Like it's, it's just this power struggle, this vendetta that they have against the people that they're serving or arresting or if they know the person. I don't know if it hasn't been made clear if these two, George and the officer had come across each other before. They worked together. Was, they worked at a club together. For they years. worked at a club together? Yeah, George Floyd and that officer, they, they worked at a club together. They knew each other. So he knew he knew who a he club, was. What kind of club? I, uh, I, I didn't I hear that. Like a regular club. It was uh, just a regular club, if I'm not mistaken. But it was, um, I'm going to have to, I'll, I'll send you the information once I um, get it again. But I remember so that so so that officer was like security and yeah, yeah. and employees did security there at the club while the officers did the club and whatnot. So um yeah um he did he actually did know George Floyd. See now that puts into that adds a whole nother layer to me now because that that's something that's being connected with a lot of other these uh, other incidents like what's the relationship with that person. Right. to you know to the officer like what's the connection that's that's what i'm always listening to here and that's gonna make me you know do a little bit more research to find that out or you can send it to me and right. i can read that because this felt different right because i said that was more personal what he did yeah that's it felt different uh people kept making notice that he had his hand in his pocket yeah he didn't have it, it just pocket. felt too comfortable um and I'm not saying that he intended to kill him, but you know, putting that type of pressure on somebody's neck, he knew because what he, was. he could have snapped his neck. He knew what he that was. That man could have ended up paralyzed. Or I, I, I'm as a black man, I have been uncomfortable in this world for like the last five years, more so than I've ever. One thing when we walking through hoods or walking through a city like Baltimore, you got to watch out for suspect, you know, individuals or suspicious individuals. But I have been more worried about the system, like finding some way to pull me over. You know, I've, I've worked in Cherry Hill for the last year and I would go to work, get out of there. I would not linger in that neighborhood. I was born in that neighborhood, so I understand it. But it was you know, I've made sure to get myself out of Dodge. Or if I'm out, which I'm rarely out, I normally have a destination, you know, and I'm here and I'm there, you know, right. and it's it's gotten a little uncomfortable for me as a black man in this, in, in this space that we're in right now to no matter what we do, we're always being judged by our past, right. our, you know, per, the perception so not only am I being judged by past things, I'm being judged by the perception that you have of me. Correct. So as a black man, I, I've always felt like I've had to kind of shrink myself. I'm a bigger guy, so I, I felt like I had to just just shrink who I was mm. to make other people feel comfortable around me. Uh, and that's gone now beyond just you know white women. Now I gotta make that. I gotta be that around children and white men and my own now. Correct. Uh, black women. I, I felt like I've I had to shrink myself. In terms of you being a, a black man, a young black man in this world right now, how did you feel? How how what's your 
relationship to the world right now? I'm black and I'm proud. <laughs> um, I'm gonna be me. Um, I'm gonna speak up. I'm gonna fight for what's right. I don't. I don't really know how to explain that. I really don't care what these cats think. I'm just gonna fight for what's right, and I'm just gonna keep pushing. And they're gonna have to accept me or not. It don't matter. Are you Are you worried that you'll you'll ever? So you knowing a lot of the processes of the police department. Are you ever worried that you'll get pulled over when you're out here at these protests? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm just ready. You know what I'm saying? And you're not going to say me. ready. What do you mean by that? Like, um, when I mean ready is like, I'm ready for them. Like, why? Like, you're not going to just say what you say, what you want to me and not me speak up. You're not going to just lock me up for no reason. If I didn't do anything, you know what I'm saying? So like, what I'm, do you know that we don't know? And I'm not being facetious. I'm being a lot of people don't know about Plummer versus State. Plummer, and Plummer versus State is actually where you have the right to resist an unlawful, an unlawful, an arrest, an unlawful arrest. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people don't know that. And you get, and you see, there's a lot of people that they get wrongfully, wrongfully arrested. And sometimes an officer can get hurt in the process of doing that. But that's the whole reason for Plummer versus State because if an officer do get Hurt in the midst of you doing in the midst of them doing an unlawful arrest. Oh well, you know what I'm saying. But you're gonna have to really prove that in court. But you know how the system is. They're gonna try to mm -hmm. not let that work. But yeah, you, it's like that's why I say it comes with people knowing the law and knowing your rights. And once you know your law and you knowing your rights, what can the officer really tell you if you abiding by the law that's in the guidelines of those rights? It, uh, we have another comment from William. How can we push for regular mental evaluations? Because a lot of these cops are loose cannons. And I think we we were just in the midst of it. We just had a primary. Uh, I yeah. think the election is uh, a great starting point. Uh, but you have to be mindful and be consistent in your contributions to uh, your community in terms of um, following up with these lawmakers. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm going to come back to what you just said. but. We just elected. Um, we just elected a slew of people. Well, in terms of like our mayor, we we've had our primary um, our primary uh, election where we uh, voted in. Not they won yet, but we voted in our Democrat and our Republican Party uh, individuals. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of the people who have been put into positions. And I'm wondering if they have the know-how to be able to even address these issues. We right. have a first time, one of probably the city's youngest mayor to ever be elected, um, being put into an office on the break on the in the midst of a pandemic, uh, right. and he'll be becoming possibly becoming a mayor at the tail end of a pandemic and rebuilding the city, but also in the tail end of police reform. Like what is what is your plan? And I don't see that plan in his. And I'm not attacking him personally, but mm -hmm. I think to answer William's question for myself, and you can answer it also, uh, Demond. But how we we have to start with our elections. Mm -hmm. You know, who are we voting into office that mm -hmm. control these different parties or who have relationships, legal uh, working relationships with these other entities like the police department, and mm -hmm. what is their strategy? You know, for me, Sheila Dixon had the best strategy and the best relationship with our police department. And I don't see that coming from Brandon. After some of the antics that we've seen from him, 
I, I think they're going, they're not going to listen to them. They're going to do what they do and right. keep them to the side if he wins. I but, um, we want change. You know I'm saying we want change and just <clears throat> we got to start showing up to these meetings. We got to voice our opinions. We got to use our voice. How can we want change if everybody keeps silent? You know? And it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's easier said than done. Right. But we got to move somewhere. You know, we got to, we got to do something. It, it's, and I keep saying it's scary. One, because, you know, we've been in the house. So all of these things are being, you know, done under the guise of us not seeing it or us not physically being out and about. And I, what I'm worried about now is, um, will these protests and these these wild looters, um, and I don't want to put adverbs or adjectives in front of their, you know, description, but that's what it sums up to. A lot of this looting and a lot, I, I, I don't want uh, a systematic uh, way of doing things to be judged by that instance. And then you create all these other protocols and then what had just happened gets pushed under the table because see this is why we have to react this way because they're out there doing these things that's why i'm leaning on the side of you know peaceful protests you know pulling out dollars out of the economy or you know as we did with this um this crab company Mm -hmm. this um we we totally shut down their business so doing things like that versus just destroying our property Correct. That they're going to then use against us, you know, in terms of why we can't afford things and why we have to pay money to this because we can't do that. And I'm just worried that uh, police reform won't be on the table or the the union that represents, I think they call the FOP, will, um, will, will create conflict where nothing gets accomplished like they did with Freddie Gray. All those officers are back working now. All of them. Right. I think and, one chose another job, but all of them are back working right now. Like this looting that's going on. Honestly, I believe they, they hired. I'm gonna send you a link to that. These are hired people that's going around doing this stuff. I mean, now, not, I, and I, people that's going I haven't around. heard. Is it here? Has it happened here? Uh, yeah. I'm. Gonna, I'll send you the link. Um, once once we finish, I'll okay. send you the link to everything. As far as that, and these are hired people to do this stuff. They hire people to go ahead, loot this, or start this type of commotion, or start this, and that's why. That's what I'm like. That's, the system don't want us doing. They don't want us to see us move forward. You know what I'm saying? Right. And but and but I I asked you the question in the beginning. The people that you see, mm-hmm. they they look like outsiders. That, that, so you saying they look like outsiders? Look like outsiders. They don't even, are, is anybody confronting them? Uh, some people have confronted them yet to them get out of the city, but really, the only thing I remember them doing was, I've seen them do was when a dude threw the firework in the, in the middle of the police crowd, they yanked them up and threw them to the police. That was about it. But besides that, I mean, oh but yeah. But they're working I forgot, with them. Group, I forgot the group name. It's this group of guys. They walk up, they got hoodies, but they ride around protecting the city, they say. And they don't, like, for us, they, they, what they do is they looking out for the looters and stuff like that, so they won't Messed up the city. I forgot the name of this whole group. It's Are they black group. or they white? They were black. It's all black. It's okay. All um, they ride around on bikes. They they they're very uniform. They definitely in sync with everything. And what they do is, when people are out 
protesting at night or they, they what they do is they actually watch out to see who's going to start this riot, who's going to go do this and who's going to do that. And what they do is they actually put a stop to that. And this was going on in Baltimore right now because I actually sat right. down and talked to one of the guys. I'm just mad that I can't remember the name of that organization. Are they out of Baltimore or yeah, out of Baltimore? Dude. They okay. out of Baltimore, and they actually they do a good job. They pull it's just like citizens police, but from, okay. Baltimore, from Baltimore, so they are doing that. That is going around the Baltimore. They are trying to put a stop to all the people that's looting and doing everything like that. So I can't speak up on that part. This is weird. I, I, I don't. I know that a lot of the groups. There were a lot of uh, uh, anarchy style groups that were being blamed also for doing a lot of the destruction because they they aren't necessarily attached to the Black Lives Matter movement and they're kind of attaching themselves because they wanted to act out in this way and their organization may not be as large as the Black Lives Matter. So them attaching themselves to that kind of kills two birds with one stone. It kind of, kind of puts the sunshine on to Black Lives Matter and said, see, they're just another terrorist group, but yet at the same time, they're getting to view a lot of destruction of what they call the system um, while kind of destroying the name of Black Lives Matter. Uh, in, in terms of us moving forward, how do you see us uh, moving on from this? Because we're still in the midst of a pandemic. And how mm -hmm. do you think we should safely continue the fight and, and move forward? Oh man, one be safe. You know, use safety. Be safe. Uh, it's gotta fight. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I know we're in a pandemic, but it's gotta fight. But what does that mean? Because we keep saying fight, and I think younger people are hearing that. And if I'm not talking like physically, like physically going in throwing blows, but we gotta we gotta like go against the justice system. We gotta we gotta. I don't know. I don't really know how to ex explain it. It's like it sounds like we gotta be consistent. Does, mm -hmm. Is it fair to say that we need to be consistent Correct. in our protest? Or because I I worry when we say fight, the wrong ears hear that and they go out and do that. Right. I'm not talking physically fighting for the ears right. out there. I mean, we have to just step up and do what's right, and we have to be consistent. And and if we don't show consistency in what we do, they're not going to take us serious at all. Right. And I agree with that. I, I definitely agree. And I understand why people uh, have that perspective and that point of view. Um, I just worry that we aren't um, organized enough to right. make this consistent. Look, we, we stop. Look how soon it, it took us to stop fighting after Freddie Gray and, and all the other various people, Sandra, Sandra Blanz and uh, Philando Castile. We were we were dying down our fight for the gentleman that was killed when he was out jogging. Mm. Like that was starting to die down before the quarantine even started. And then this happened, Correct. you know, but it just, it, it feels like we get the momentum. And now that everybody's getting a little bit of money in their pockets from stimulus and unemployment. They're going to try to throw money in there to keep you quiet. Like, right. you know, I'll slide them some money real quick. That'll calm them down. That'll keep them quiet for a bit. No, man, thank you for the money, but I'm going to keep talking. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. I, I would speak to the level of unity that's going to be required 
for us to, as black people. Now, I will say my argument has been, we as black people need to get our script together, our right. game plan together before we start looking at allies and, 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 and people to support us outside of the black race. Do you agree with that or what would your, how, how do you feel about us being our level of unity right now? Our, as, as a black people? Mm -hmm. It's good and it's bad, you know? Uh -huh. uh, I think we need more unity. For one, we need to stop this black on black killing as well. Right. And, and if, this, if you stop the black on black killing, it, we can have more black people on this world fighting for unity, you know what I'm saying? We can we can all come together, you know? And and it, and it trips me out because I feel as though we can we can we can do good because think about our the Oklahoma bombing. If we had Black Wall Street, we had our own banks, we had our own school. You know what I'm saying? And if we can stop all this violence with each other, you know what I'm saying? We can actually start to build and we can start to build these schools and we can start having these recreations. We can start having these places for our culture, you know what I'm saying? And I feel as though until we can actually focus on our on the main objective and stop all this other outside stuff, then it's always going right. to be shaky, shaky. You know what I'm saying? So I think we just need to all come together and really just we got to really look at the bigger picture and stop killing each other. It's and and, and I <clears throat> I'm I'm not the Debbie Downer, but I'm I'm seeing even with this young lady, Miss Owens, who's getting out speaking against the the bad reputation of uh, George. Uh, them in instances like that where we we don't have our own game plan together. So how can we go out and petition for the president or the governors or the mayors or the city councils or the senator to fight on our behalf when we don't have our our story together? This person is coming out saying this, and then this this individual is saying that, and then this group is saying like we don't have our story together. So they're not taking us seriously when 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 real change, real laws, real, real, um, uh, uh, thank you, uh, William and, and Tifa. That's one of the other groups that they yeah. are kind of to say that's like a, 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 a domestic terrorist group now, but it's not, it's right. actually something totally different. But they've, they've used that, the, the right has used that as a weapon against Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know what it's going to take for us to get on the same roundtable. We all need to like so some some somehow somebody could get on the news and say, "Hey, look, we having a roundtable here this day and this time. If you really about this, let's all come together and let's have it. You know, it it can be an open field. Have some big giant speakers there and have that person in speaking. We all can come together. We all can get on one accord. I mean, it's weird though. It's it's very weird though that we're in this in this place because everybody wants to be a leader. You know, now the social climbers and resume builders are coming out and 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 creating their frontline perspective. Um, and then you have a lot of people who have been doing the work this whole time that are getting overlooked and, and not being listened to because they don't have the numbers or the likes on social media. Um, and a lot of people have made a job out of it. And a lot of them, Rightfully so, uh, uh, because it, it I, I believe in paying people. You know, Martin and Malcolm had people supporting them throughout this because you give up your life for this. But there are other social climbers that where have I don't see any of them right now. I don't 
I don't see any of the ones who were yelling the loudest and holding up the banners on Freddie Gray. I don't see none of them right now uh, who, who learned things, but who also had a lot of backdoor meetings that got them certain jobs and certain titles that they don't feel like they need to come down here and, and continue to march. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that seems to be my issue and, and my uncomfortable uh, level in this because I don't, I don't see how we're making a change uh, beyond just screaming. Like what, what, do, what are we going to get? I need a plan and a strategy before I, I go out there to march and risk my health, actually, not just my life, but my health. Uh, and and uh, I want to see a plan, a strategy. I don't want to just be holding up no banners and, and marching from this side of the city to that side of the city. And there's still no solution. Right. I don't care how many times 100, male, 100 black men march down North Avenue, up and down. If there's no strategy, if there's no solution after this is over that gets us consistently fighting, I, I really, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And I think a lot of the older people have felt the same. Some of them, I'm not gonna say a lot of them, but some of them have felt the same as well. What are we doing? What are we fighting for? You know, are we fighting so this doesn't happen to another black man, or are we actually changing the policies that are, are, are right now causing this or allowing this to happen? Correct. Um, so that's that's where I'm at with it, and I I feel drained at this moment because I think we're back at a space again. We're back at the same place. The only thing that has changed is the brothers and the sisters' name, and that's it. Uh, but we're back where we are, and we get so angry and frustrated. And then, you know, uh, Red Bull throws us a couple hundred thousand dollars to do some artwork, and then we over it. Right. Uh, or they pay for certain things to happen, and a couple celebrities. I saw a few celebrities uh, out there, but they can afford to be out there. They, they can really afford to have their voice be heard. A lot of us can't afford that because we have to go back to these neighborhoods where we aren't safe, where we, we don't have the privilege uh, to have a, a, a large fan base that we all we gotta do is say this happened to me and people cancel X, Y, and Z. Um, but how many how many times have you gone to that, those crab houses and they've been rude to you? And it took this right now, it took this for somebody to research his social media for them to shut him down or to cause him to lose so much money. So that's where I'm at right now. And I wanted to start our conversation with how drained I feel. Like my energy feels like I've been depleted and I've been in a calm space. We talked a couple of times offline and, and I've said that like I've, I've been trying to get to my calm because I'm not a, a rah, rah person, but being locked in and, and having all this stuff going around you, it's getting hot outside. So people will get a little bit more antsier and crazier and they're willing to sacrifice health and life over a cookout or being around people who they really didn't like to begin with but they just need a reason to be out. Um, I'm seeing a lot of destruction um, in terms of with internally, you know, um, and I had an argument with a young lady last week over, you know, interpersonal relationships between black women and black men. Um, so a lot of these things are, I see people are attempting to have the conversation, but I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired, I want solutions. I want, when I, 
when I make an argument against a black woman, I'm not accused of being a misogynist or I'm not accused of attacking her. That's a strong word to use when somebody is simply disagreeing with you. Correct. Sorry, my allergies are crazy right now, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, my, my energy level is just waning right now. And I don't know how to, you know, kind of perk myself back up. I've tried to change my diet. I've tried to, you know, avoid certain conversations with people and none of that is helping, but it's just absorbing all of this information. And even if you can't turn the TV off or turn the computer off, you're still being bombarded by people sending you text messages and video clips of another officer acting bad or right. another individual being killed or slain or this, this, the, um, the W, I think it was WEAA or WYPR. Another mm -hmm. announcer was shot. This lady was shot over in Northeast Baltimore and two other black people were shot in the last couple. Like hearing this is, I had the citizen app. I had to erase that from my phone because every minute something was popping up, you know, like ding, ding. Yeah, it was this, you know, and it's in your neighborhood. It's not when it, you got the citizen app, it's not just citywide, it's in your neighborhood. That is true. And it's telling you every little thing that doesn't, even if it doesn't make the news, you're hearing every shooting, every stabbing, every robbery, <coughs> everything. And it's crazy. But I'm I'm feeling a little drained of my energy and depleted of my energy right now, trying to figure out what can I do. Uh, so as an artist, you're now getting back to doing a lot of your filming and a lot of your content creating. Where are you now with um, where are you now with your artistry and how you you're going to allow your artistry to kind of help you. Um, just do documentaries. Um, right now, um, I was just told through my um, film director, Rod Lopez, for New Style Independent Pictures, we actually about to be doing a new film, and it's called Black Men in America. So it's best we just trying to shed the light of what's going on in America right now and what it's like to be a Black man in America. And it is, it is, I think tons of filmmakers need to do that right now, uh, specifically for Black men, because... I feel like our story is only told when there's tragedy attached to it. Um, there's no preventative uh, measures happening. There's no subsequent uh, support being given uh, to kind of curve what we're feeling. And I've been having conversations with random people and just, and it may seem random when I even I reach out to you, but in my mind, I'm just, I'm having a conversation in my mind and I just want to get a perspective from somebody else. And creatively, I'm trying to figure out a way to this how to display that. But as a black man in the world, not just in America, because we get treated like this around the world. Even if we go to Africa, as African-American men, we get treated a certain way. They mm -hmm. welcome us, but at the same time, they still side out of us. Uh, but it, it is something to be said, and I'm not trying to make anybody struggle less than but to be a black man and calm or whatever else you add on to that, it is definitely hard. It's hard to be black and, and you start adding every comma you add on to that only makes the struggle harder. Right. Uh, and I don't know any other races that can say that. Uh, right. But Are we in the system, we already, they already give us a negative. 
you know, just because mm-hmm. of the color of our, um, the color of our skin. Right. I and what, what, what are we left to do with it? And I, I think what would be helpful, you know, um, and I, I would love to, I, I may have to reach out to uh, the, uh, the producer or the owner of the, the company you work with just to see, like, if something like that is going to happen, what does it sound like? What does it look like? They have a new um, vice president, a new director up at um, the, what's the, the local station? NPR, NPR mm-hmm. station is a black man. And he's attacking sometimes some of the internal uh, diversity issues that they have on even at that programming. And I, I want to see valuable information being put out there with right. solutions attached to it, uh, right. and not just you know I'm gonna give these these group of black men some initiatives and jobs. I'm gonna give them a couple grants to see what they can do with it because all we're doing is producing a few stars. We got our Condawandi Fidels and. Uh, and and this person and, and that person and, and but as a whole we're still struggling. You've right. allowed that one to get out. Uh, the gentleman who took over the great, he's now a star. So you gave given him a, a opportunity. But what about all the gentlemen who were also out there? And it's not about I want to win too. I want, but we're not solving the problem. We're giving, you know, I'm gonna give this person a little highlight. I'm gonna give this person a little boost. And I've done my job, but what about all the other people that are struggling? Correct. I don't. I don't want to see another person get murdered at the hands of another black man or a police officer or a drug or I, I don't want to see it happen. I'm tired of seeing it happen. I'm tired of that being our narrative. That seems like it's playing on a loop. Correct. It's like it's like repeats of like slavery movies. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. Are you keep yeah. We we know about it already. Come on now. Let's let's switch it up. Let's do something different. You know, well, in us, in in on, I don't defend that, but mm-hmm. many of our children aren't seeing that. That's true. Parents aren't taking, aren't aren't forcing their children to go to D.C. and walk through that whole museum. You know, I saw every when I I've been to that museum maybe five times now, and I've only seen a handful of black people there. I've seen Asians, Indians, Arabs. African, I've seen all different races of people who don't live in Maryland, D.C. or Virginia at that at that building. Correct. And I don't see enough of us there. I'm not saying we don't go because uh, churches have went, school trips have went, but we don't have the emphasis on our stories, on our history. And I don't mean to put that one up because there's a new music monument uh, museum opening up in Tennessee shortly. Uh, they are hoping to have a, a real opening, but they may have to do a virtual opening because of where we are in the country right now. But there are museums all over the country dedicated to our history. But it was something about that museum that just told our story in its entirety. Correct. It's almost it, like it, was, it was Black Alexandria. history, but it was just... Go ahead. I say it's almost like the Library of Alexandria is selling all our history and all our monarchs and stuff like that. But mm, Yeah. And even even with that museum, it's only a certain perspective. This gave now, granted, this museum is for African American history, so it kind of furthers that narrative that our history started with slavery. But it was so in depth that it forced like you 
I've seen people who like the museum is is a little bit like um uh the Holocaust museum if you've ever been there. It's like a big spiral. Well, the bottom half, the bottom three levels that are like the basement on down, are are is built like that where you you're, you're forced to see everything and you're going yeah. on this spiral going up and it it really I've seen people not be able to finish the museum and have to come back at another time to see the the top three levels. Correct. Because it's the emotional level, like they have an actual shack in there. They have the actual casket of Emmett Till, the original casket he was buried in. Like these these are actual factual uh, memorabilia that this uh, actual plane, an uh, actual like all these things that equal to our history. Uh, so on the end of slavery movies, I have an issue with white people producing them because normally they always uh, signify the or highlight the white ally characters. And it's very little to do with our story. Correct. And it's always how that white character came in and created conflict yeah. or created resolve or how that, you know, 12 years a slave, the black characters that was in it wasn't even depicted on the flyers that was promoting the video. Uh, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember his name, but he was the largest figure in the in the advertisement, but was only in it for like 15 minutes. So, and then he wasn't—he wasn't necessarily a good character. He mm -hmm. snitched on the on the slave, like, and and, and that's that's what I, I I want us to take this moment to take control over our narratives, over mm -hmm. our stories, over our creative contributions to mm -hmm. this country, um, and take them back two if we have to but take them back i wanted to before we end we only got a couple more minutes i wanted to ask the question on reparations and what you feel life would be like if they gave us each a check for the dollars. man still ain't gonna change what happened <laughs> i mean we still went well our ancestors still went through it and we're still going through it today just in a different way I mean, but they just put a dollar amount on. Hey, thank you for, right, thank you for the money once again, but it still doesn't change anything that you've done. Right. If they haven't, if they haven't changed policy with the checks, right. It, it's really, you know, you've made a bunch of people that's gonna go out and spend money. Some right. people will save it. Some people will spend it all. Some people will save it all. Some people go create businesses. So you will see a flourishment, Same but money. if nothing has changed. Correct. Nothing will change. Right. And they do get that money. That's the time when we should really start building our culture. That's when the time we should start building our schools. That's the time. But by the time we, we get the money, if we wait till we get the money, it's going to be too late. Yeah. You start now. You know what I'm saying? Get, start yeah. the process now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, I agree with it was it was a hard question because the gentleman uh, Johnson, who owned, who once owned, he no longer owns. I think he's a shareholder now. Uh, uh, and BET, mm -hmm. he created a dollar amount, and he created this three hundred fifty plus dollar uh, amount for each black person. And one of my fears was what we just said: um, if they don't change policy and laws, like 
uh, totally abolish slavery, uh, totally go in and fix the infrastructure of systematic racism and, and supremacy, white supremacy, it's not going to matter how much money we have because ultimately the money is going to go back into the economy. Correct. You know, if it's not fees from the bank or interest that the bank wins, it's all, you know, at some point it's going to go back into a company that is giving money to the other side. Uh, My other fear was with this money, what is going to happen to the mental level Look, look what happened to $1,200. I saw a lot of the three-wheeler bikes riding around. I, and I'm not judging what people do with their money, but I'm saying what what was invested. Right. You know, I saw a lot more people starting businesses, but how much of that money was actually invested in improving what we're doing? Um, so I'm kind of nervous about $350. I would love it. Don't don't oh. get me wrong. Well, I would love it. You know, like most people, when you heard the number, you already started paying off bills and debt and, and creating a, a business plan for yourself. Correct. But what 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 else? What, what, what helped me follow through with the business plan that I already have created or already right. manifesting? Is there a is there a mandated accountant that comes with the three hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Right, like you know, this is you know, right, right. Or do right. I? Do- or is it like a trust? Or you know certain things like I, I remember reading that Ivan Ivan what's his name Alvin Iverson mm-hmm. had a trust fund for when he turned fifty that because he blew a lot of his money one of his friends thought to create a trust for him where the money would go into a trust and he blew all his money so but he's not fifty yet so he's waiting till he gets fifty in order to get this trust but. You know, will it be more like a trust? Will it be like the lottery where you get it over the course so of your life? See, that's that. By the time you get the money, all that, you'd be dead about it. That's just like working the regular job and just waiting for retirement. Well, this, if we're looking at reparations now that we put a figure on it, what are the stipulations? What, what, you we're know, how, how do we get it? Some people choose to live their life and get a, a 11,000 check. $11,000 check every month versus getting a whole three fifty because you know you go waste $350,000. Look how many people go broke and they win a lot of So I'm 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 concerned. Right. I, I, I would like for all of us to get it. And then the last option is who deserves it? Okay, I'm wrapping up. Who deserves it? You know, what qualifies you? You know, do Africans who move to America in the last umpteen years get it? You know, do white people born in Africa that are now considered African-Americans get it? You know, if you're mixed, do you get it? Like all these different stipulations, like who is... Or do someone from your family have to have been a slave or direct descendant of it or something like that? How do they prove that? Right. How how do you prove that? But we have run out of time. Uh, Damon, it is always lovely having you on, uh, even though you escaped the plantation. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> but I appreciate you coming on. Um, and please come back. Uh, we want to hear you, hear more of you. If you got some clips, send them to us and we can play them, play them live. If you want to go live with us, um, I would love to have some footage like that if you want to show, um, if you are open to it. And I'm, um, But again, this has been the Artist Exchange Radio Show, only on BeExposedRadio.com. 
I'm your host, Nate. We had our awesome guest, Mr. Hollywood, Mr. Damon Hull, uh, joining us today. Hopefully he returns. I don't think he will. We might see him in another five years. Uh, <laughs> but it's cool. You know, no pressure, no pressure. Um, and we have a great lineup. Don't forget, if you want to support the Be Exposed or any of the various shows that we have on here, you can cash at us, cash at us at dollar sign Be Exposed Radio, uh, spelled out, uh, all one word. Uh, and definitely stay tuned. Uh, the Artist Exchange Radio Show every Monday and Friday at 5 p.m. Until we're out of this quarantine, we'll be right here in the boudoir. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out.